Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sanders. With me is Benjamin Solak, joining the Allies of the Pod for another episode of our Divisional Draft Recap, where we are going division by division down the NFL, taking an in-depth look at all of these selections that were made, breaking them up into talking points and superlatives with best pick, most improved position groups, and then potentially every team's biggest draft regret. Today... We're talking about the NFC East, so the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Giants, and the Washington football team. This episode is brought to you by the fine people at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On NFL Draft sent you. Ben, this is a big day. This is the day where you get to talk about your beloved Philadelphia Eagles. I actually have not actually fully sat down with you and had a real conversation about their full draft class. I think I asked you just like, hey, what you thought of the Landon Dickerson pick or the Devonta Smith pick, but now we actually get to do that for the first time. I actually get to hear all of your thoughts on their entire draft class, which I'm very excited about. But before I get to that, I'd love to hear. How are you doing, my friend? Never heard of the Eagles. Don't rank, don't acknowledge their draft picks. Don't acknowledge their team decisions. How are you? Are the selections delicious, though? Yeah, no, they are. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's a very interesting draft class. One of the biggest piece of Eagles news recently. All right, wait, did you? Are you asking me? Like, do I want to know? Yeah. Do you want to know the biggest piece of Eagles news recently? If I say no, will we just get on with the podcast? Yeah. Because no. it's mostly a joke. It's not even real. Okay. No, all right. I'd like to hear it. Okay. Famous ex-Eagle Tim Tebow might be coming back to the NFL uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But in all seriousness here, the last team he was with was the Eagles. And so if you, like, open up his Tebow's PFF page or his PFR page, it has him as an Eagle. Like, that's his headshot. Or that's, like, the team coloring because that's the team he was last on. And I don't like that. So I'm very happy that he's signing with the Jaguars so it can be a different team color and a different team name. You know how Pro Football Reference has, like, people's nicknames on there? Yes, it's one does, of my favorite things in the world. Does Tim does Tim have any? Does Tebow have oh, any? Oh, 100%. No, I just looked it up. He doesn't have any. What? There's Let's nothing make here. Let's a nickname right now. Timothy Richard Tebow. Big Rich. Big and Touch Rich. Ben. I was about to call him Touchdown Jesus, but that's the mural at Notre Dame. All right, yeah, no, I don't think that's very original. I'm All surprised right. that I'm surprised that T-Bowing reference isn't there. Maybe for Fan Friday later in the week tomorrow, you guys should ask us uh, about giving Tim Tebow a nickname, or you can tell us your favorite Tim Tebow nickname, and then we'll try to maybe devote five minutes. No, it's not going to be five minutes. Okay, it might be five minutes because we talk that much. Depends on how funny it is. That's yeah, that's true. If it's not funny, we'll cut it. Now nah, we'll make it we'll make it super painful for you guys. Speaking of super painful, the New York Giants. I'm just kidding. Calm down. I thought you were gonna throw to the Cowboys. That Man, no, because I I wanted to get to the Giants first because I feel like they were all over the place and we got some thoughts on the Giants selection. So in the first round, David Gettleman traded back for the first time ever in the first round. Went from number eleven back to number twenty. Gained some extra draft picks. Well done, Dave. Got himself Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver from Florida. And then in the second round did the same thing, except he drafted Aziz Ojolari, the pass rusher from Georgia. Third round, Aaron Robinson, the corner from UCF. Fourth round, Ellard, Ellers, Ellerson. I keep wanting to say Elderson, but there's not a D in there. It's Ellerson Smith, the edge rusher out of Northern Iowa. I don't even know anybody named Elderson. Why, why, why do I? Freaking sick. <laughs> Actually, maybe I just name my, next, name my next dog Elderson. Alyssa probably his younger that. brother would be named. Don't, please. For the love of God, please, don't. Younger. <laughs> Sixth round. Gary Brightwell, the running back from Arizona, and then Rodarius Williams, the corner from Oklahoma State. And that was the Giants draft class. Ben, what do you think the best pick was um, from the New York Giants class? Okay. Uh, Aziz, probably. Uh, 
wasn't a big Kadarius Tony round one guy. Uh, was fine with Aaron Robinson as a player, but I thought that like early third round was was more appropriate for him. Uh, none of the day three guys are really like my dudes. Uh, and so Aziz, who I had as an early round two grade, he was very French round one. He was a top 25 player for me. Obviously, not knowing about the knee makes it difficult to prognosticate how healthy he's going to be and how many contracts and everything, but that's always the case. Uh, the Giants, who needed edge help for the last couple of seasons, uh, Ojolari was a player that uh, until the Monday of draft day, I had going to them at 11. Uh, and then obviously once the knee thing became clear, it became clear Ojolari was going to fall out of the first round, kind of bumped him out. But the, the fit makes perfect sense. Uh, this is the fourth Georgia player that that uh, Gettleman has drafted in four years now. He's got an ability to start right away. Uh, Ryan Anderson, O'Shane Zimenez, if not at Enigbo, none of those guys are going to keep him uh, off the field with his ability to defend the run as well. Uh, so Aziz, starting caliber edge. Don't think he's an eight sack per year guy. I think he's probably more so a six sack per year guy. So they still need pass rush juice there, but they have a really good interior rush. So that'll help out uh, Ojolari a fair bit. Got to develop an inside counter move. Yeah, I think this is a really good selection given his health because the word that I heard used to describe Ojolari's knee is degenerative, which is really scary when you talk about somebody who's coming to the NFL for the first time because you already know that you're going to get plenty of wear and tear. You're going to get plenty of miles, plenty of hits over what you hope is a successful NFL career. But degenerative means that it's just progressively going to get worse. Like that's just the, the, the way that it is. It's not even like susceptible to it getting further injured or something that was a, a trauma that previously happened. It's anytime that word is thrown around as, as, as the way to describe an injury, you just never know what the timetable is like. And so, man, I, I truly hope the disease has a very long and healthy career because this dude's fun. He's got a lot of really fun tape. He was your edge too, correct? You had him above yep. uh, Pay. So, I mean, Better we both player. liked him a lot. I mean, he was my edge three right behind Pay. So, there's a lot to love about the speed elements of pass rushing that Aziz can bring to his game. Like you just said, he can attack the outside shoulder, I think, really well. He's got great burst off the snap, but he's got to develop that inside inside pass rush move. If he does that, then he's going to have a lot of offensive linemen, even in the NFL, I feel, guessing pretty well. And so this is a correct player for them to add along their pass rush to their edge rush group. And I love the value of getting him at 50. And this player that we thought could have been a back end of round one player, I figured that he would be a top 50 pick. He goes right at number 50 still. I feel like it's fantastic value for him. This is also the best pick from me as well. What about the most improved position group here for the New York Giants? That's the tricky one uh, because the Giants, I think that the draft is a little bit quieter uh, and, and some of the positions in which you expected them to invest offensive tackle, nothing really. Uh, you got stack linebacker where we thought, okay, maybe they're a Michael Parsons team. They take no stack linebackers. So it was a little bit weird in that regard. With that said, uh, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, uh, pretty clear kind of what the message there is, is that we got to get better at wide receiver. Uh, I don't know what's happening because it's at, still like at all in life, yeah. in this well, podcast, like, with the, the best Giants. way, the best way I can describe this Giants prioritization of wide receivers. I don't really know what's happening because I don't think wide receiver was the problem with their passing game last year. Trev, I think if anything, it was the quarterback. Well, it wasn't okay, the quarterback, but, it was offensive tackle. Well, they, they weren't going to, they weren't going to move on from Daniel Jones. That was never going to be in the cards this year. So, well, we're going to be talking about that in a moment, but okay. Uh, Okay. Add Kenny Galladay, add Kadarius Tony. Uh, assuming you're able to get Tony on the field, which right now to me he's wide receiver four behind Galladay, Slayton, and, and Shepard. Uh, Tony on the field and kind of whatever route distributions you can get him in, just getting the ball in his hands uh, will, will return benefits. Uh, I don't know if they'll run him as a returner given the investment they put in him as a first-round pick, but if they do, he's obviously got that ability as well. And so wide receiver got better for the Giants. I, I'm not sure how much they'll reap from that investment, but that's clearly the position in which they got the strongest. Yeah, I agree. Wide receiver is the position that's definitely most improved for the Giants, but I feel like they had a great offseason, and, you know, I'm I'm very proud of how Gettleman navigated this draft. Now, of course, you are. it sounds like you're going to push back on me a little bit there because mm-hmm. if you take addressing quarterback into consideration, then you go, okay, well, they drafted at 11. They didn't have to trade back. They could have just selected Justin Fields themselves, but it's a lot like the Carolina Panthers. I don't think that this was actually on the table. So we're going to have a conversation in a second about potential biggest draft regrets, and, and, and I'm all for making sure that we get those thoughts out there. But 
when you look at the New York Giants draft, and if you want to grade it against what was ever in reality what was going to happen, I just don't think a quarterback was there. So them trading back, I was convinced, man, that I thought that they were going to be really in on both Micah Parsons and Jalen Phillips. I thought those guys could have been the picks for them at number 11. And you know what? If they would have stuck at number 11, I feel like they would have been definitely on the board. But I we also hear that the reason why the Philadelphia Eagles wanted to move up from 12 to 10 is because the Giants were going to take Devontae Smith. And that would have, once again, gone with their all-in on making sure the wide receiver room is a lot better uh, train of thought. I didn't see that coming, but apparently that's, that is that is the direction that they were going. They moved back to number 20. They get Kadarius Toney. I'm with you. I didn't think that Kadarius Toney was going to be a first-round pick outside of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, you and I talked about this for a couple of weeks leading up to the draft. I threw it out there. I said, look, I, Urban Meyer, he's just a different dude. He, he does not... He does not go by NFL head coach logic yet. He is still a college football coach right now as he is team building for the Jaguars. And I figured that he was going to have a dynamic playmaker on the offensive side of the ball on the board very high with this 25th pick. And lo and behold, after the draft, he said, man, I sure wish I could have had the chance to pick Kadarius Tony at number 25. And it's, you know, instead the Giants get him. Right. I think that that's exciting because he's a different player for them. You have brought this up before. It's always interesting. We want to sometimes give offensive weapons, different offensive weapons to certain NFL teams that don't have players of that mold, but it's not always that easy because maybe they just don't prioritize them. Maybe they don't have a good vision of how to use them. And so it's a tough projection there. And so I kind of feel like that's the case with Kadarius Tony, but you know, he's a selection there. They wanted to get a lot more dynamic on offense. He's, he was one of the most dynamic playmakers to get in this draft. And so traded back, took him at 20. At least they didn't take him at 11 or something like that. That, cause that would have been absolutely crazy. So they get a couple more picks. They navigate that for a little bit. Uh, and so I, I think that that's a decent selection there. But wide receiver clearly got better no matter how you look at this trade or the value of it. Uh, the Kadarius Tony trade is part of my biggest regret. Yeah. Let's get in. But it it's really it's a, it's a different framework for it. I think the biggest regret for the New York Giants in two to three years will be going, why didn't we draft Justin Fields? Which like we could say this about twelve different teams. We could say this about the Eagles later. We could say this about you know Carolina yesterday when we talked about them or two days ago, whenever the heck it was. There's a lot of teams about which we can say this, but for the Giants, for Dave Gettleman's first trade back, which. Not for nothing, but Gettleman was like, I don't trade back because nobody gives me good value. On the on the traditional trade value charts, this wasn't a great trade return for 20 to 11. Uh, they got a, a future first from a team who was picked in the back half of the first round each of the last three years, a fourth and a fifth. So it's not, not, not amazing return. I, I thought it was fine. Right. I, I think that they certainly could have gotten a lot more. I genuinely think that, especially because you were negotiating with a team whose back was against the wall and was absolutely desperate. Right. They, that's that's he, my thing is like he should have smelled blood in the water. He could right. have got more well, out of this. If you just gave me in in a vacuum twenty fourth round pick, fifth round pick, future first for eleven, I would have been like, Yeah, it's pretty even. Like, you know what I mean? I think that, that that's a, a good trade both ways. Gettleman had a quote three days ago. He was like, I never trade back because everybody gives me bad offers. And it's Ryan Pace of the Bears, who are like insane trade-up kings, who regularly overpay to move up. Right. How did this happen? You know what I mean? Um, but that that aside, like I, I don't even want to, to joke on that for a while. Uh, did, we wanted Devontae at 11. Okay. We didn't get him, so we moved back and we get Tony. That's a good approach in that the Eagles sniped Devonte from you. So we're going to move back and go get a, a, you know, a good value on the return. And we're going to reset our board. I wouldn't have taken Kadarius Tony, but I don't even want to joke on that. I simply want to say that we sat here with a Broncos team that had gotten better at wide receiver and had been improving with youth on the offensive line and had really nice signs on defense. And we said, why aren't they improving on drew Locke? And they're going through, and and they got a new GM to try to figure out the quarterback position. And they went to all the quarterback pro days, and they were in the conversations. And to me, the Giants are in the exact same boat. We got better at wide receiver. We made young investments on the offensive line. They've not gotten as good on the offensive line because they don't have Mike Munchak, but whatever. I'm trying to get better on the offensive line. Defense had some really nice uh, flashes last year. I think that you love what you've seen from Patrick Graham and the way that this secondary has hashed out and versatile defensive front. Cool. 
why aren't we talking about Daniel Jones? What has he done? There's, 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 there's over two years of starting. There's nothing that Daniel Jones has done that indicates to me that we should not be looking at the quarterback class. They didn't even look. And so what's going to be the Giants' biggest regret? Well, man, if, if the Broncos had taken Justin Fields, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. But it, Fields was there, and they traded out of the pick. And I would not be surprised if in two or three years that looks astoundingly stupid, given what I've seen so far from Daniel Jones' career. So there we go. Strong. I just, like, I don't— it, it, I may not even believe it to that degree. It's just the fact that we don't talk about it. That blows my mind. Nobody talks about Gettleman's job. Nobody talks about Jones's role as starting quarterback. Why not? What have they done? <laughs> and the fact that we don't have that conversation is bananas to me. So hmm. they should have taken Justin Fields at 11. He fell into their laps and they ran, they scurried away. And I think that they're going to get to the end of Jones' first contract and wish that they had an alternative. I also had quarterback talk on here as a potential big regret. But again, you know, going back to what I think that the quarterback was just never on the table. So I don't know how much that's a big draft regret. It's just, it, it was, they never decided it. There was no regret to have. They didn't think about it. So I also thought about pass rusher. You know, they get Aziz Ojolari at 50, but I wonder if they would have really rather benefited getting Micah Parsons or Jalen Phillips at number 11 or even... Well, I can't say a number twenty because they weren't there. But like in a smaller trade back, I assume that you, know, you couldn't. Well, you couldn't get Parsons anyways because he was there at twelve. But you know, if you wanted to move back, say with the New England Patriots, we talked about that on yesterday's podcast. You could probably still have gotten Jalen Phillips, but you know, Minnesota was sitting right there, fourteen as well. Jalen Phillips is certainly on the board. So all that to say, they probably would have had to stay at eleven if they wanted those two guys. But given the fact that they drafted wide receiver at twenty, they were going to draft Devonte Smith at number eleven if he was there. I guess it just wasn't in the cards. So a couple of different draft regrets, maybe in areas where they just weren't thinking of that, or that wasn't their overall plan. I think the pass rusher was more a plan B or an alternative route than quarterback was going to be. But those are the two that I had on the board for, for the New York Giants. Let's move on to the Washington football team. Washington, as I scroll to get their whole draft class in front of me here, drafted Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky in the first round. Got Samuel Cosme, the offensive tackle from Texas, in the second. Benjamin St. Juice, the corner from Minnesota, in the third. Also, Diami Brown, the wide receiver from North Carolina, in the third. Fourth round, John Bates, the tight end from Boise State. Fifth round, Derek Forrest, the safety from Cincinnati. Sixth round, Cameron Cheeseman. What an unbelievable name. Long snapper from Michigan. And then in the seventh round, they had three selections. William Bradley King, the defensive end from Baylor. Shaka Tony, the defensive end from Penn State. And then Dax Milne, the wide receiver from BYU. Good draft. Great draft. One of my Good favorite draft. one of my favorite drafts. And I have a feeling that we are going to have the same best selection here for the Washington football team. William Bradley King, baby. Cameron yeah. Cheeseman, baby. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Cheeseman. <laughs> um Oh, I feel stressed now. I think it's Deami Brown. That's uh, not the correct answer, but I love Deami Brown, so I'm not gonna give you too much crap for it. So wait, is yours Samuel Cosby? It has to be Samuel Cosby. They got Samuel I Cosby like, at fifty one, like- dude. I feel like last week you were bigger on Diami and I was bigger on Samuel Cosme. And since then, you've talked me into Diami being the best pick. And no, I've I, talked to you into Cosme being the best pick. I, I think that when when we had this discussion last week, I think it was simply these are the two stand, the, the selections that stand out the most that I think are going to be the X-factor kind of impact plays. Obviously, if you draft Jamin Davis at number 19, you expect him to be really freaking good. So you have to pencil him in to already being good. Those second and third round picks, it's not nearly as much of a guarantee, but when you get two players like Samuel Cosme who could come in right away, start for you at left tackle, and when you get Diami Brown, who is an immediate vertical threat who really complements and almost rounds out completely your wide receiver and your passing attack, I mean, I think that those are two things that both of these guys bring to the table that you have to absolutely love. And so I believe that when you went with Samuel Cosme, I believe that you spoke on him first, and I was simply going to talk about whoever you did not talk about because I think that both of them are fantastic selections, but... Yeah, okay, so Sam Acosta is a really good pick. Dami Brown is a really good pick. Dami Brown can be a field stretcher, which lets Troy McCoy stay in the intermediate area and lets Curtis Samuel stay in the underneath area, which is where they've been best so far in their NFL careers. Sam Cosme gives them a immediate starter at left tackle who's probably better than Drunk Christian, in my opinion, and if not, as a really good developmental player that will probably beat out Drunk Christian and Sidney Charles for that job in the future. And that they're, I like those picks. Wide receiver was the most improved position group for me. 
because you bring in Brown, like you said, he he brings you now that three level threat with their three different players that they could bring to the table. They went out and they got Curtis Samuel in free agency. And then, you know, you're hopefully having Kelvin Harmon come back from injury. They have Antonio Gandy-Golden as well. They added Adam Humphreys as a reliable kind of slot slot player. They have guys like Cam Sims, Steven Sims Jr. They've got Isaiah Wright, some kind of gadget players in there that they can throw at the end of the roster to compete on special teams and also give them some options when they go four and five wide. I really love their wide receiver room, and, and this, is, I think, is, is a team that over the last two years, we really didn't have much to talk about when it came to their passing attack. I also failed to mention Logan Thomas, too, who's really come on as a go-to tight end option for them, and of course, Antonio Gibson gives you a lot out of the passing game as well from the backfield. So I, I just feel like their passing game in general, but certainly wide receiver, has taken a big step up, and now they have... I think the types of players that they want in each position to be able to call a variety of different passing concepts, whatever it is that the situation calls for, whether it's first and 10 early in the second quarter, or whether it's third and 14 uh, midway through the fourth, and they got they got to keep the ball moving. They got to keep the game alive. You know, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, whether they're between the twenties or in the red zone, I feel like they have, legitimate options now it's still young guys they're still going to be growing they're still going to be making sure that they kind of like home in on the chemistry of exactly who to go to it's not a perfect product yet but I think that you have to look at the wide receiver room and say man Washington's done a great job over the last year of making sure that group is a lot better than it was the year before I uh yeah I think it it is wide receiver it is worth mentioning uh that I really like what they've done at corner brought in Ronald Darby last year on a one-year deal got healthy Darby, Darby played well. And as an Eagles fan, I'll tell you, once you have healthy Darby, you can convince yourself into being like, yes, Ronald Darby forever. That's a very dangerous game because just Darby is not regularly healthy. That's a tough thing to bet on. Uh, They not only get a guy with a better health track record, but just a better player in general in William Jackson to go opposite Kendall Fuller. By the way, when I was researching this, I totally forgot that Washington drafted Kendall Fuller, traded Kendall Fuller to the Chiefs for Alex right. Smith. Fuller played well. The Chiefs let him hit free agency, and then they signed Fuller back. Correct. Unbelievable work. Correct. Uh, especially because, yeah, so love that. Uh, have Jimmy they like sent, They, hand. like, sent him off to boarding school to, like, learn his craft, and then now he's back. Right. And, and then they added Benjamin St. Juiced, and I believe it was Kyle who did for us the uh, Washington football team recap. If it wasn't, please forgive me. Um, but uh, Kyle made the point where it was like, with St. Juice and with William Jackson in hand, it seems likely that we're going to see more press coverage, or at least we'll have the freedom to play more press coverage uh, than we did last year, because Washington played a, a lot of zone last year, but Jack Del Rio tends to be a man cover guy. And I agree. I think that with the St. Juice pick, and with the William Jackson signing, you give yourself more coverage versatility than you had last year. And that's always nice. Uh, so they did improve corner, and I like the way that they did it. That's a good shout-out. Appreciate Biggest that, Biggest draft regret for Washington? Uh, I guess it's not being in on the quarterback class. I I, 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 don't, I don't love Jamin Davis as a first-round pick, but I get why they made it. And with Bostic in hand, you get a year to bring him on, so I think that's the right way to develop him. Uh you know, it's Fitzpatrick, Tyler Heineke, Kyle Allen. It's kind of like they have three guys, so maybe yeah, maybe one of those guys, but I don't really know. So it's, eh, but, like, also, you know, I don't know. They were in a tricky spot. It was going to take a big-time trade-up. Obviously, we saw Chicago a- a- execute the trade. It was going to take a big-time cr- trade-up for them to get into the quarterback sweepstakes. Uh, this would have been a spot that, in my opinion, made sense for Mac Jones. I would have kind of liked the fit, but if you don't love the ceiling, which I don't, then maybe you don't want to be in those sweepstakes. So I appreciate the patience. Uh, there's a chance, uh, a decently sized chance, that in a couple years, Washington's like, man, we really had the team. like We had the window, and we just weren't strong enough quarterback, and that sucks, which it would. Uh, hopefully, they're able to, to either get really good play out of Fitz or get involved in quarterback next year. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just a, it's, it's a situation that I didn't think that they were going to get aggressive for a quarterback. I would have loved to see Justin Fields in this spot. I, I thought that would have been fantastic, but— right. I did not think that Ron Rivera was about to move a ton of future assets to go up and get him. Now, if Mac Jones was on the board at 19, because my biggest draft regret is just the linebacker pick at 19 in general. Now, it worked out for them, right? We, we can look back on this class and say, oh, they got Diami Brown. They got a, 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 a outside corner who could play press man for them. They got a Samuel Cosme, right? And so it worked out for them, but... 
I don't know. I, I guess the, the, the potential biggest regret is just the priorities of going up to get Jamin Davis when you probably didn't have to do that at 19. Uh, you also probably could have had quarterback on the board a little bit more than they did. And so that's just my big area. But as we introed with Washington, this is a really great draft. It's hard to find holes in this. You, you can't fix the entire team. You can't fix the entire future in a draft in an offseason. But for the steps that they took, I thought they did a really nice job. I think that certainly your point of saying, hey, maybe a couple of years from now, they'll look at themselves and they'll be like, man, we set ourselves up so good for success, but we just didn't have the quarterback to do it. That's so many teams. You know, you can make that yeah, argument for what? so many teams. another team. There's going to be another team later in this, in this section that we're going to say it about. Before we get to that, though, we got to remind people of rockauto.com. I, I talked to you about them at the beginning of the podcast, but for those who don't know, it's a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. RockAuto.com will have everything that you're looking for, whether it's a truck, whether it's a car, whether it's a fix, or whether it's an upgrade. They've got you. Best of all, the price at RockAuto.com, always reliably low. It's the same for the professionals as it is all those do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up to half, why would you spend up to twice as much for the same part? No need. Now that RockAuto.com exists, now that you know about it. Go over to their website, rockauto.com, right now to see all of the parts they have available for your car or truck. Website, super easy to navigate. Right on the left side, you'll be able to find your car or truck very easily. And if you go to the website, write Locked On NFL Draft in their little How Did You Hear About It section so they know that we sent you their way. They got an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you are ever going to need over at rockauto.com. We've got two more NFC East teams. Got a lot of words to talk about them. Coming up after the break. All right, Ben, I'm going to keep the suspense alive because we're not going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles here. We're going to save them for last, and instead we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, very interesting draft. Interesting is actually a kind way to put it. Number 12 overall, (laughs) they picked Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, in the first round. Second round, they went with Kelvin Joseph, the corner from Kentucky. Third round, they had three selections. Osa Odigizua, Chauncey Golston, Nashawn Wright. Two defensive linemen, and then a corner there at the end. Two fourth-round picks. Jabril Cox, the linebacker from LSU. Josh Ball, the offensive tackle from Marshall. Fifth-round pick, Semi Fahoko, the wide receiver from Stanford. Two sixth-round picks, Quinn Bahonan, the defensive tackle from Kentucky. Israel McQuamu, the corner from South Carolina. And then Matt, ooh, how do you say his last name? The offensive Farniak. guard from, what is it? Farniak. Farniak, the offensive guard from Nebraska. What's so... the best pick here? Uh, Jabril Cox. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> far far and away the best pick. Not we're, even We're going to talk a lot about Jabril Cox in this section because we both like him and not really. Okay. I will say in terms of, so like Michael Parsons, that's about where I had him graded. I didn't think they needed to take a linebacker that early. They did. So I get it, but I don't love it. Kelvin Joseph, that's way early for me. Uh, Chauncey Golson, a player I liked. That's early for me. Nation Wright, a player who I thought was a round seven at best. It's way early for me. Uh, Josh Ball in round four. Uh, yeah, the on-field stuff is great for the tackle on a Marshall. The off-field stuff is absolutely terrible. Did not think he would be drafted. Abhorrent, man. Just so, awful. Yeah. Uh, a lot of bad stuff. Osa Digazua was where I had him graded and was a position I needed. So shout out to the Osa Digazua pick. I feel like he gets lumped into all the other bad defensive picks when, to me, that is a fine and acceptable defensive pick. So shout out Osa. Um, but it is probably Drew Cox. Good coverage linebacker, going to be able to play on late downs for them, which even when you look at their loaded linebacker room with Parsons and Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith and then Keanu Neal, who apparently like is a linebacker for them, uh, according to Dan Quinn, uh, Cox is the best man coverage player of that group by a mile. Uh, so he's going to be able to see snaps in year one if they're smart. Uh, he should get on the field above some of these really high drafted guys because of that ability that he brings to man cover over tight ends. And so I like the Jabril Cox pick. I think that's probably the best pick of this group for them. Yeah. The Jabril Cox yeah. pick was great. Great pick. That's uh, good. Good feel for coverage. Uh, gives you that passing down confidence. Love it. The rest was bad. I just uh, it's it's just uh, I, we we've talked about this before. I don't want to I don't want to beat the dead horse too much here with the Dallas Cowboys selections because I love Micah Parsons, uh, top ten player in this class for me. Um. Goes number 12, value is fine there. You would have much rather seen them gone with one of the two corners, but they didn't have that chance, right? Because J.C. Horn goes eight, 
Patrick Sertan goes nigh. And I think that the Cowboys, Cowboys panicked a little bit. And I talked about yeah. this in yesterday's podcast. They moved down from 10 to 12. And I think that they could have moved down even further to still get a really good player that they, they wanted, right? I mean, Greg Newsom objectively helps this team more than I think Micah Parsons does, or at least it makes a difference for this team in a little bit different ways. But they don't do that. They only move down two spots, and then they said, well, okay, we're picking a number 12, so like, you know, like we can't pick Greg Newsom at 12, so who do we want to get? Uh, Micah Parsons is good. Let's draft him. They got Leighton Vander Esch, who they drafted decently high. They have Jalen Smith, who they drafted decently high, and they just gave a lot of money to. Sean Lee retires. I get it. Leighton Vander Esch didn't sign his fifth. They didn't give him the fifth-year option on his contract. Okay, so that means that he's probably out of there. Jalen Smith hasn't been great since they gave him all that money, but okay, now we're having a conversation about who you're giving money to. And it's just, no matter where you turn, you can say, hey, objectively, Micah Parsons, good football player. And I agree with you. But the whole situation of the surrounding, what he is for Dallas and why he's a pick for Dallas and everything else that's around there, I don't know how this makes Dallas any better. This is just this is just subbing in a linebacker that is talented for linebackers that you've drafted that you thought were talented. It, it, this Micah Parsons pick unfortunately points out more of what how bad you are at team building and how bad you are at giving contracts out than it is the right selection here with Parsons. You go to the second round, Kelvin Joseph. You need a corner bad at this point. So you draft one that's got a high ceiling. Okay, great. But what's Kelvin Joseph's mm-hmm. biggest weakness? It's inconsistencies. He hadn't played a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, you love some of the flashes, but some of the lows are just like, geez, this guy's getting burned. And I don't think that's always going to be the case with him. I think that he might be able to learn, and he's going to have to learn trial by fire here because he's going to have to be a starter for them. I think that he can learn and he can get better, but you're now starting two inconsistent corners on the outside. You're starting Trayvon Diggs on one side, and you're starting starting, uh, Kelvin Joseph on the other. You're going to get cooked. Cowboys are going to get cooked with that. Yeah. I think, right, my biggest Cowboys regret, which I know we're supposed to do most improved position, but screw that. My biggest Cowboys regret is okay, so I wrote about this. Last year, they brought in Mike Nolan, and so they were going to be moving on from the 4-3 structure of Rod Marinelli cover three, Seattle cover three with Chris Richard, and they were bringing in Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan's like, I'm going to run, like, basically, it's a 3-4 base. It's not really a 3-4 base. We're going to be four down linemen sometimes, and it's all about just maximizing your players, and you're going to have to be multiple and that and 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 Mike McCarthy was like, listen, defense. This is all about like we. It's all going to be player oriented. We're going to be players over scheme. We're going to put you know our best eleven on the field. And we're going to put them in a situation to be successful. Sometimes we're going to have three down. Sometimes we're going to have four down. And it's going to be we're going to run zone. We're going to run man. It's going to be great. And then they had bad players. Just not didn't have a good depth chart on, on defense, right? And even then, like a guy like Cheeto Wuzie, right, who they let walk now to Cincinnati, needed to play off-cover zone to be successful, and they would sometimes run off-cover zone, and they sometimes put him in straight man on the outside. It did not work. It's not what he's good at. Uh, and so Demarcus Lawrence, highly productive edge, hand-in-the-dirt player. They would stand him up. Wasn't as good standing up on his rush, throwing off your timing, throwing off his explosiveness. So you didn't even do what you said. So Mike Nolan gets fired. Uh, bring in Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn gives a quote where he's like, hey, you know, like we're – you know, Michael Parsons said to Ross Tucker on the Ross Tucker pod, like, DQ's running a base 3-4. And Ross Tucker was like, what? And he was like, yeah, he said they're running a base 3-4. And Dan Kim was like, yeah. Basically, like, I usually actually, I do really run a base 3-4. It's just you live in the nickel, and a nickel for my defense is a four down front. So it's basically like what I did in Seattle. But sometimes it's going to be three down fronts. And basically, like, we're just, we just want to take our players and put them in a position to be successful. And Mike McCarthy was like, yeah, like, we want to run more zone, more man last year than we ran zone. Um, And, you know, Mike tried to do some things with the three-man front that didn't necessarily work. So we're going to really just look at our players. We want to put the best 11 out of the field. And we're going to be successful. We're going to be players over scheme. So it's the exact same thing you said last year. It's just a different dude running the defense. And then you had bad players on defense last year. So it's, the scheme wasn't doing anything for them. And also you didn't have like a great 11 to put out there and just maximize. So you had bad players last year. And so in the draft, you go crazy on defense. But the problem is, Trev, you didn't really get great players. I was going to say, we didn't get the right. problem yet. Right, Kelvin Joseph and and, and Nashawn Wright, these are not pro-ready corners. Even if they end up good, I love Kelvin's movement skills. You can't teach 6'4 for Nashawn Wright. They're not ready to go out there and play. There's no scheme that you can put these guys in that it's like, oh, and this is maximizing them. They're not ready. 
Michael Parsons. Okay, if you're going to maximize him, we're going to move him around. He's going to play 3-4 edge and 4-3 under. You don't have the bodies to do this on the defensive line. You're starting Carlos Watkins, Tristan Hill, Neville Gallimore. Oh, you're running Osa Digazu and Chauncey Golston. These are big five techs. These are our rotational players. You do not have starting caliber players in the defensive line. You've invested all this money into linebacker. You don't even know how to get these guys. You, you, you Nobody can play coverage now besides your Cox, who's a fifth-round pick. You uh, excuse me, fourth. Right. Fourth? Fifth? Yeah, fourth. Fourth? Fourth. You bring in Keanu Neal. Uh, you know, you bring in DeMonte KZ. All right, we're rehashing the guys from Atlanta. Dan Quinn's defenses were bad in Atlanta. He never had a defense above average in DVOA over five seasons with the Falcons. So the, all these talking points are great. They don't mean anything. You're not getting good players. You're not getting good defense. So it, it, this is is like it. It is quintessential coach speak. Wow. Because it is not manifested. The pun, the pun there, quintessential. Dan Quinn. Oh wow. You, no. you didn't even. You didn't I'm even know you so did. So good at English. Um, it's right. It's it's quintessential coach speak. It is. We're going to talk about multiple defenses and multiple fronts. Meanwhile, we're not going to have an identity. We're going to go reaching for players that are very clearly meant to be scheme fits, right? Oh, Nashawn Wright, the only way he works is as a Seattle cover through corner. Uh, so he's clearly drafted for a scheme and overdrafted at that. Uh, and we're, we're going to so have no identity. We're going to be all over the place. We're not going to go for positions of value. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. So uh, the Cowboys defense has been bad for my living memory and they're going to be bad again this year. And it's going to be a, a limiting problem to an offense. That's very clearly ready to compete in the NFC. I think it all. <sighs> I, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel better? You feel better now, pal. I just, it, it, it is very peculiar. Also, um, their most improved position group is linebacker. That's nice. Right. I, that's what I put as well. Yeah. <laughs> linebacker, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean the biggest draft regret, I think it starts with their maneuver at number 10. Uh, I, I, I don't think they had a good plan in place. If both of their, corners went off the board I think they would have been very happy with either JC Horn or Patrick Sertan and when those guys weren't there I don't think they knew what to do because if they had contingency plans in place you know this is a team that I feel could have really benefited from trading with Chicago you know just move down to 20 go target Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom was probably always going to still be on the board there I mean he goes at 26 and so I, I just feel like the run on Greg Newsom would have probably been in the mid-20s anyways get to number 20 Go get yourself an extra first round pick next year and go get the corner you need. I right. I, well, I, I, I mean, just the Giants pick was ahead of the Cowboys pick, so huh? It's not like they pat. It's not like oh no 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 wait no it wasn't never mind I'm an idiot shut up right no I'm I'm saying like Dallas could have been yeah. the team that Chicago could have traded up for at at, at ten to go get Fields and it just doesn't feel like you know when those two corners went off the board I just felt you know there's that you know the 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 shot of the war room of, of just like what was it one guy in the war room after the after the picks were made right before him and so it's it I don't know it just it felt like the entire time the Cowboys were scrambling and because they didn't move back far enough because they picked a linebacker when they really did not need to at number twelve then that forced them to reach for a corner at in the second round. Well, okay, well, now they're reaching for a corner who might have high upside, but he might be very volatile for them in the next couple of years. Well, then all of a sudden you go, okay, well, we, we better get another corner in there because we can't just rely on Kelvin Joseph. Now you're drafting Nation Wright three rounds before you ever should have. You go, okay, well, our defensive line has to get a little bit better. Let's uh pick this guy. And I just felt like from the moment they went on the clock at 10 and the maneuver that they made to only go back to 12 and then just pick Micah Parsons, they panicked the entire rest of the draft. They just panicked. They did not know what to do, and I thought it was um, a poor use of draft resources. Before we get to the Philadelphia Eagles, got to remind people about Bet Online, the fast and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and now you can track all the action over at BetOnline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Sign up for the bonuses, the contest information, all that stuff. Go to their website, or like I just said, you can sign up on mobile too to receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit using the promo code LOCKED ON. All caps, one word, LOCKED ON. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Philadelphia Eagles rounding out the NFC is coming up next. All right, Ben, the time is here. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that you know very well. Although at the top of the show, you said you never heard of them. I deny this. I deny them. Never heard of them. Never knew of a single pick. Don't even know what the sport of football is. First round, Philadelphia traded up 
to number 10 with the Dallas Cowboys, as we just discussed, to go get wide receiver Devontae Smith from Alabama. Second round, they took Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama. Third round, they went Milton Williams, defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech. Fourth round, Zach McPherson. Wow. What an incredible. It's Zach. I know. I know. But I just want to say Zach every time because I think that's way better. It's very difficult to resist. It's Zach McPherson, the corner from Texas Tech. Kenny Gainwell in the fifth round, the running back from Memphis. Marlon. I know this. Don't say this. Tui Pelotu, right? Bingo. Woo! Let's go, baby. I do this for a living. Defensive tackle from USC. Teron Jackson, the defensive end from Coastal Carolina. And then Jacoby Stevens, the safety from LSU. All those three picks were in the sixth round. Then the seventh round, they went with Patrick Johnson, the defensive end from Tulane. What was the best pick, Ben? Uh, uh, I don't really know. Um, I like Zach McPherson a lot, a bit. Uh, I think that Marlon Tupelo, too, has a good role for them. Um, I say Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, Kenny Gainwell, uh, the, I, their corner, or excuse me, that's not corner, their running back approach has been pretty odd. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, on Johnson, Jordan Howard, all within the last, like, three weeks. Uh, so someone's getting a job. <laughs> we don't really know who yet. The best pick is probably Devontae. Uh, the the best way to characterize the Eagles draft is it's extremely high variance. It's very high ceiling. It's very low floor. Uh, Devontae, if he hits, is going to be really, really good in the league. It's very unlikely that Devontae is, like, fine. Uh, he was so, so good in college that if he is able to bring that to the pros, you expect him to be able to dominate against man coverage from a variety of linemen in a variety of, of route trees, right? Different depths uh, and, and be successful before and after the catch in contested catch, whatever. Uh, the concern with him is not anything that's on the field. It's how much will that mass, that lack of mass, I should say, impact how he's able to play. Will he have to be off the line of scrimmage? Will he be able to handle press? Something he did very well at the college level. Uh, and also his longevity, his durability and his health uh, start to get, you know, some of those intermediate crossers that, that you were able to catch and run at college, we're going to get hit in the pros on, are you going to be able to take those hits on your frame? That's the concern. Uh, so very high ceiling, very low floor, because there's a, the, a very legitimate concern with a player of Devonte's build that he's not going to be able to hang at the NFL long-term uh, And so he, for however good he may be health just may be a problem for him. Landon Dickerson, unbelievable player round one caliber film, uh, three season ending injuries has injuries in four. both ankles and both knees Four. Four season-ending injuries. Has injuries in both ankles and in both knees. Uh, Going to be amazing on the NFL field if he gets there and if he's able to stay there for 16 games. So again, very high ceiling, very low floor. Third round, Milton Williams, defense attack, Louisiana Tech. 99th percentile, 40, 10-yard split, vertical jump, broad jump, three-code for everything for defense attack. Was unbelievable athletes. Also 285 pounds, played 4-I at Louisiana Tech, who so played read and react. Needs to learn how to come off the ball. Needs to learn how to become an interior pass rusher. Does not know how to do it right now. Extremely high ceiling. Athleticism. Extremely low floor. Has not played the position, really, that he's about to play in the pros. Is going to take time to develop. Uh, and then What's you go. play? Three tech with the Eagles? Yeah, three tech. Three tech. Okay. Uh, he gave a quote where he was like, I might play early down edge. I'd be stunned if it's like more than 5% of his snaps. Uh, they might do it because I think he's going to be a really good stunt and twist player for them because of the athletic ability. Um, but even in that his body type is three tech. He's not built like, and he doesn't have the length to play on the edge. Um, so then you go all the way through and it's, it's Jacoby Stevens. Who's an unbelievable athlete. Uh, it's Zach McPherson. It was a four-star transfer. Who's, you know, going to play either outside or slot for them. And they're going to figure that out. And it's Kenny Gainwell. Who's a running back wide receiver gadget. You need to use him correctly to get value on him. It's just a total, just, inundation of like wow this guy could be really good but also there's x in his way or there's y that might limit him and so it's a very very high variance big swings draft and so the best pick is probably Devonte. but in general uh i think the eagles will get like a blue chip player from this group it could be one of like four dudes but they're going to get one and they're also going to get one of their early picks completely bust and i don't know who it is you know what i mean but like that's yeah, sort sure. of the vibe that you get from this class, which you might say, oh, well, that's every class. Sure, but you can go safer than the Eagles did. The Eagles went for some really, really bold picks here. And hopefully one or two works. And hopefully not as many 
completely fall out, but that's a dangerous game to play. Yeah, no, they definitely took some swings at the fences. I like the Kenny Gainwell pick just because I think it was a great addition in the fifth round, but I said that wide receiver was the group that they actually improved most this offseason because they didn't make big splash in free agency. They didn't have the money to do so, and Devontae Smith actually gives them a reliable weapon in the receiving game, and, and like you mentioned there, I think that he's got the ceiling to really be a focal point of their passing game, certainly from the guys that they had last year that, that weren't really able to carry that load. I think that he, like you said, if he hits, he's going to be awesome for them. He's going to be everything that you want. And, I, and I, I'm rooting for it to happen just because he's a lot of fun when he's playing really well. I love Landy Dickerson too. Landy Dickerson, another guy who is a top 10 player in the class for me. But with the injury history, it's hard to just project what kind of an impact he has. Because if you go, oh yeah, if healthy, okay, I can say if healthy here all along and, and he'd be a top 20 selection from me, but that's just not the case. So you just hope that he's going to be healthy because if he is, I think he's an extremely versatile offensive lineman for the Eagles and can play a variety of different spots for him. So I, I guess I, those are my, Kenny Gainwell and Landon Dickerson were my two like favorite picks for them, but the most improved position is Devonta just, or wide receiver just because of Devonta Smith. Now, Let's talk about what the biggest draft regret is. You mentioned they took a lot of swings at the fences. Is the biggest regret playing the draft a little bit safer, or what was their biggest regret for you? Uh, I think the biggest regret is that they weren't able to go earlier on corner. Uh, McFear, they they were like, hey, we're going to take best player available. That's that's what we do. They traded up for Devontae Smith, and they were like, because of best player available. It's like, no, it's because your wide receiver room sucks, guys. Like, let's not let's not <laughs> right. lie to ourselves. Right. Uh, and then Roseman is obsessed with building through the trenches, which they've always done. They've always been a heavy trench team. And on day two, they go interior offensive lineman when they don't necessarily have a starting role open, and interior defensive lineman when they definitely don't have a starting role open, right? You can call that best player available if you want. I don't think many people would have told you Milton Williams is the best player available at 73, but okay, cool. Best player available. Uh, the player that they, you know, the very famous Harry Roseman, Tom Donahoe argument that was on on Twitter, that video, the player that they missed on was Ali McNeil, who was also a defensive tackle. So unless both those defensive tackles were both their best players available, eh, like it seems like you're not drafting best player available. It seems like you're drafting for need, guys. Uh, don't lie to us. So corner was such a big need for this team. They only went there in round four. And I had not watched McPherson because he was kind of a late riser. Howie gave a quote where he was like, we were so stuck. Like we couldn't believe he was still there. I watched him. He's very clearly a round four player. Like he's like, got a, he's not to me. Like, yeah. Like early day three. Makes sense. Like he's developmental. I don't want him starting in year one. That's perfectly fine. Uh, and so I think that they would have liked to have gone earlier at corner because right now the starting corners are going to be Darius Slay, Avante Maddox again, which went really badly last year. And then if not Maddox, it'll be Kavon Seymour, Craig James, Lavert Hill, some really just bangers of a name, uh, you know, in terms of a depth chart. The Eagles' corner depth chart is just really, really bad. Uh, so McPherson's probably corner three and and maybe corner two. He's going to be forced into starting. I don't think it'll be bad. I just don't think he's he's necessarily super ready. Um, and I think that's indicative of of how poor that position was. But they were going BPA, so they didn't take corner until round four. And I think that's going to hurt him because I think after a season of McPherson or a season of Maddox and McPherson, they're going to sit and go. All right, we still need corner, and Darius Slay is a year older, so we didn't really do anything here. Biggest draft regret, not drafting Justin Fields? Also not drafting Justin Fields. Thank <laughs> you for asking. Why aren't you? You're trading up top 10 again in front of the Giants. Why are you not thinking, oh, we love the quarterback position. We invest in the quarterback position more than any team in the league. Oh, we're so good at knowing how good backup quarterbacks are. We're picking the quarterback factory. We know everything. You don't have a starting quarterback. Maybe Jalen Hurts is, but you don't know that yet. How are you passing on one of the best quarterback classes to come out in, like, the last 20 years? Heckin' Frank. It's... I was over this! I don't know... I don't know what the future is going to be of decision makers at the top with the Philadelphia Eagles. And, of course, the owner is not going to fire himself the owner's probably not going to fire the people that he's handpicked to be his right-hand men or decision-makers in the front office. Sometimes you have scapegoats that have to go. But all of that to say, how bad does this Jalen Hurts pick look if he does not pan out to be a starter and Fields pans out to be a very good quarterback in this league? Because... 
doesn't even matter if Fields ends up good. Well, it, I well, I'm just saying that is it has the this is this is no longer a far fetched reality. This is now a very plausible reality. It's the that within, strand of reality, right? Yes. That that you you get into a point where you draft Jalen Hurts when you had no need to do so. How his presence on the team absolutely helped rift the divide between. Doug Peterson in the front office and Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz in the front office. Like Jalen Hurts' presence absolutely made that even worse. No question about it, made it even worse. Now, there are, of course, other factors at play. It was not just Jalen Hurts' fault that it all fell apart, but that did not help the situation. That did not alleviate anything. So now you're out your Super Bowl winning head coach, you're out your at one point, franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz. And like I said, there are factors that go into it beyond Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts is then sitting there. If that guy is now also the reason why you didn't draft Justin Fields, that's, I mean, people got to get fired for that, man. Like, people got to go for that stuff. And when I say people, I just mean Howie Roseman. And the best part is like, Joe Douglas just got hired away. Andrew Barry just got hired away. Uh, was it Ian Cunningham or Andy Weidel? I can't remember. Somebody was interviewing for the assistant GM job with the Panthers that Dan Morgan got. But, like, the Eagles front office keeps churning out execs for other teams. And also, they can't do anything in the draft. <laughs> and they're regularly making these big missteps in terms of strategy. And it's it's stunning because they should have the people in the building to pull this off. Jalen, the Jalen Hurts pick will go down as the single most graphic of that guy sitting on his own brain that you see on Twitter. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, right, yes. That the single most that pick ever because like we are so smart, and then the team completely falls apart, and absolutely the Jalen Hurts pick played a role in that. Uh, Wentz gets traded away, and then Hurts is present. The 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 internal desire to prove that the Hurts pick made sense, preventing you from drafting Justin Fields. Or, like, lest we forget, this team was not picking 12th. It was picking 6th. It could. It, they were talking about trading up to 3. <laughs> oh, for Zach Wilson? Frick! What? Oh, it's the biggest big brain pick ever. It's so annoying. I hope Jalen Hurts is good. And the problem is Hurts is so fun to root for. He's the man. I love him. I want him to be good so bad. But also, if he's just, like, fine, which I, what I think he is is, like, a long-term backup in the league who gives you a little bit of juice because of the running ability. He's a high-floor player. If he ends up just that, I'm worried the Eagles will be like, see? And it's like, no, not see! You're dumb! That, so was anyway, so, my thoughts. that was so worth it. That was so worth it here. Glad not, you had a good time. Not, not just saving the Eagles for the end of this segment, but saving the Eagles as the last segment I that we have. I was so over the Fields thing. I was done with it. I wasn't even thinking about it anymore. Like, oh, what if they take taken Justin Fields? What if they had, Trevor? <laughs> <sighs> That's it for divisional draft previews this week. We got four down this week. We're doing four more next week. But before we get to that, we got Fan Friday. That's coming up tomorrow. Of course, you can get in all your questions on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey at uh, very sad that the Eagles didn't draft at Justin Fields. You can hit me up on Instagram as well at Tampa Bay Trey. It's the same Twitter handle there um, or it's the same handle there. Or if you're in the premium Slack, of course, that we'll see all your questions that way as well. Get in on the show. Be an ally of the pod. Fan Fridays are a lot of fun. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.